Velkommen til Rockwell-fondens podcast. Denne podcast er på engelsk. Life expectancy in Denmark has been rising steadily for many decades, and the retirement age has followed suit. But does this mean that all Danes can look forward to a longer life? And what about those who don't live as long and may never reach retirement age? New studies from the University of Southern Denmark, supported by the Rockwell Foundation, have examined this topic and has discovered large differences in the average life expectancy of Danes. In the Rockwell Foundation podcast today, we have Marie-Pierre Bacheron-Bouget and Cosmos Drotza, who are researchers from the University of Southern Denmark. Marie-Pierre and Cosmo will help us to understand the new results and the most important conclusions on the life expectancy of Danes and the distributional consequences of postponing the retirement age as we live longer. Welcome to the Rockwell Foundation podcast. My name is Thomas Medjorgensen, and welcome to you, Marie-Pierre Bacheron-Bouget and Cosmos Rotza. Hi, thank you for having us. Hi, thank you for having us. <laughs> Marie-Pierre, first, why is it interesting and relevant to dive into these studies about life expectancy and pension? So um, life expectancy is probably the most important indicator of health and mortality. And actually, it's an indicator that is very comparable across time and uh, across country. And we observed that actually life expectancy has been increasing almost continuously for over 100 years in many countries. And now in Denmark um, has decided to link pension age to life expectancy so that right. as we live longer, we're going to have to work a little bit longer as well. Cosmo, what considerations does it require in our society now that we have an extended retirement age? So as Marie-Pierre just said, uh, people in Denmark are living longer and especially more people are reaching retirement age nowadays than in the past. And once they reach retirement age, they live longer than in the past. So this is definitely something to be taken into account when uh, when setting the retirement age uh, in Denmark, uh, especially to make sure that the sustainability of the pension system is ensured. Cosmo, you have investigated two major challenges to the indexation of the retirement age. What are the findings of your research here? So, uh, as demographers interested in inequalities, uh, we are well aware that not everybody in Denmark uh, or in in other high-income countries live the same long and healthy lives. Mm-hmm. So, as retirement age will rise, as it has been linked to life expectancy, the risk of death before retirement age might increase. And uh, and then we know we also know that there are some segments of the population uh, that face higher risk of death before retirement. And so it is exactly to those people that indexing retirement age might be harmful. So, so, so what challenges the, does this uh, this challenge pose? There are two main challenges to the indexation of of retirement age in Denmark. The first one is to somehow account for inequalities in survival in the Danish population. Mm. But then there is also a second one that is more methodological, and then Marie Pierre can can explain it better. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, the second challenge is about uh, the accuracy of life expectancy forecast because the pension age actually decided many years in advance. So uh, we have to forecast life expectancy to decide how much to increase pension age. So there's all of this question, is the forecast accurate or not? And, um, and we might just know that at a later point, right? Yeah, we might know at a later point, but there's different way of estimating if it is accurate or not. And this is what we try to focus on as well. In two recent studies funded by the Rockwell Foundation, you've examined social differences in age 
uh, at death before retirement. Cosmo, how do inequalities and in survival to retirement vary across different cohorts, differences in gender and in socioeconomic status, according to the findings of your first study? So in the first study, we analyzed people born in the same year, so birth cohorts. Um, and we analyzed those people that were aged 50, and we followed them until they were 65. So we analyzed who survived from age 50 to 65 mm-hmm. into different subpopulations in Denmark. So first we start with the basic knowledge that women live longer than men, so more women will survive to uh, retirement age than men. But also we also know that uh, people with a lower education will uh, have lower survival to retirement right. compared to those who are more educated. We also find that those with lower income uh, are also experiencing higher deaths. So there will be less people with higher income that will survive to uh, retirement compared to those with high income. So so the lower the income, the the greater risk of not reaching retirement age. Exactly, exactly. And if I may, uh, I will I will give you an example of that. So we analyzed, among others, the cohort of people born in 1954. And so we take this, this population at age 50 and we follow them until age 65. And we divide this population into income groups, so four income groups, quartiles, mm-hmm. if we, we want to be precise. And then, of course, we divide them between men and women. And I will present you results for men because that's where we observe the largest inequalities. Right. So to give you an example, if we take 100 men in low income group uh, at age 50, uh, it will be 25 of them who will not reach retirement age. A fourth, yeah, right. One fourth. Mm-hmm. But then if we uh, look at those with high income, it will be only five in hundred that will not survive to retirement age. So it's a major difference, actually. Yes, yes, it is quite a remarkable difference. What are the implications of these kind of remarkable findings from the from the study when we look to our retirement system, including early retirement schemes? So the, the Danish pension system is quite flexible and it allows for early retirement for different reasons, uh, contribution to the labor market or for health reasons, mainly or the type of occupation that the person has performed over his working life. Well, the I will get back to the example to give you an idea of how remarkable the inequality is. So remember that it, in the 1954 birth cohort, it was 500 men in the high income group right. who did not survive to pension age. In the low income group, it is already at age 53 that 500 men will not survive to retirement. Okay, right. So this is quite a large uh, inequality that might be hard to be uh, to be incorporated in the early exit scheme mm-hmm. because it is allowed to, to retire earlier. H- roughly half of the Danish population retires two years earlier than their uh, statutory retirement yes. age. But this is a 12 years difference that seems at least difficult or challenging to be incorporated into so that system. So that be, might be a reason to revisit that whole system. Cosmo, what are the other factors such as marital status, living arrangement, number of children, all these kinds of things? What, what, how do they play into um, to uh, to the expectancies here? So, um, as you say, we investigated other other social factors associated with survival to retirement, but more in general to survival. And those are, for example, marital status, living arrangement, and number of children. And we we observe that in these cohorts that we that we have uh, followed from age 50 to 65, it is more people re- reaching retirement among those who are married 
compared to those who are single. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the living arrangement part uh, takes pa- takes place too. More people uh, will reach retirement among those who uh, live with their spouse or partner compared to those who live alone or those who live in more complex households. Mm. So say with multiple generational households or with people who are not really your relatives. That's interesting. How 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 uh, how does that play in, you think? The, this is partially explained by selection because the complex households might also be nursing homes, even though we consider 50 to 65, so it is not really the case. But it might, for example, underline a more complex uh, socioeconomic situation of the family if they have to live in multiple generations within the same household. And also about the kids and, and the, the nursing status? Yeah, the kids are out of these complex households. So the number of children is actually uh, associated too with survival to retirement. And having at least one, better if more children, um, is associated with uh, higher survival to retirement age. So to sum up here, how do the findings from, from both these studies collectively contribute to our understanding of the inequalities in survival in retirement in Denmark? And what are the broader implications for social welfare policies and interventions to address these inequalities, Cosmo? So with our findings, we aim at raising awareness of the size of the inequalities that we have observed in survival in Denmark. However, we did not perform a policy analysis in our studies. We do not think that uh, pension policies are the main tool to address uh, social inequalities in survival. It should be done more with other type of social or health policies right. uh, to be to try to reduce such large inequalities in right. survival. Your study shows that Denmark lags behind Sweden in terms of survival to and after retirement, even though our social inequalities in survival are comparable. Cosmo, what are the differences in survival rates to and after retirement age 65 between Denmark and Sweden? First of all, the rationale for comparing Denmark and Sweden came from the fact that uh, from age zero to age 50, survival uh, is the same in Denmark and in Sweden. Mm-hmm. So it's five people out of 100 who did not make it to 50 from birth in both countries. However, when comparing uh, the Danish and Swedish population in terms of survival to age 65, mm-hmm. we see that every 10 in 100 men in Denmark who do not survive to age 65, we have 7 in 100 in Sweden. Right. So a difference of three. Yeah. Of Yes. Yes. In absolute terms. Right. <laughs> And, and and what factors may explain these differences? Uh, I mean, these are countries that we, we normally compare to each other. But what factors can explain this, including socioeconomic disparities and migration as well? Yeah, so then we we uh, investigated social inequalities as it was the focus of the of our research project, uh, linking it to, to retirement uh, age and the policy of indexation. And we found out that actually inequalities in survival to age 65 in Denmark and in Sweden, when looking at different socioeconomic groups defined by income, for example, are comparable and has high. So we have the same inequalities in Denmark as we do in Sweden. Yes. Right. But uh, each income group in Sweden performs better in terms of survival than the corresponding income group in Denmark. So to summarize, we see that in Sweden survival is higher to 65 than mm. in Denmark mm. overall. And even when we stratify the populations by socioeconomic groups. But we also observe, and we still observe, 
social inequalities in survival in Sweden as we do in Denmark. So this might not be considered the factor explaining these differences in survival between the two countries. So, so Marie-Pierre, what can explain these, uh, this this kind of uh, pretty remarkable difference anyway? Yeah, so um, this can be a very complex question to answer because it's really just one determinant right. that can explain the full extent of the difference. But one factor that is often uh, pinpointed Uh, to explain those difference is uh, smoking differences and health behavior in Denmark. So Danes tend to uh, have a higher rate of smoking compared to Swede, and that lead to higher mortality and then lower life expectancy. So that could be... So we, 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 we smoke more here in Denmark than... Um... At least back in the day. So And yeah. because it takes a few years to see the effect of smoking. This yeah. is what we might observe at least more in recent years. But the gap is closing slowly between Denmark and Sweden. It's just a long process. So the extent of the gap was observed in the ni- uh, mid-1990s and now Denmark is slowly catching up with Sweden. Right. So the gap between the countries are closing. And to this point about, you know, uh, comparing us to other countries, how does Denmark kind of uh, position ourselves uh, compared to other countries in Europe, for instance? So if we compare Denmark with other countries in Western Europe, um, it tends to rank among the lowest uh, countries. So well, that's I think, bad news. Uh, yeah. So it tends to have one of the lowest life expectancy, um, at least compared with other Western European countries. And and I guess uh, somebody would expect uh, an, another conclusion, but, but why, why could this be that, that we're sort of um, lagging behind uh, everybody basically in, in Western Europe? Um, That's also very complex. So if we look, for example, at the leader in life expectancy in Western Europe, which is uh, France and Spain at the moment, so they tend to perform better in mortality at very old ages. So it's especially like progress in mortality above age 70 or 80 that actually give them the lead. Um, and why do we? Why do they have this advantage? Is mm. still a little bit unknown. So why do they perform so well at higher ages? Yeah. It's now well known that the proportion of elderly people is increasing and that we live longer and longer. A new forecast predicts longer lives for the Danish population. Marie-Pierre, what are the differences between the current model and the new model developed by yourself um, in forecasting mortality and retirement age in Denmark? So a previous model used in Denmark and in other countries, which is a very standard approach, uh, extrapolate past trends. So you look how mortality have been decreasing in the past and you extrapolate those trends in the future, assuming that the risk of dying at different ages decrease at the same pace. Mm-hmm. So at a constant pace. So it will not decrease faster or slower than in the past. It's simply a constant pace. Right. However, uh, in many countries, including Denmark, we observe that at older ages, the pace of decrease in the risk of dying have been accelerating. So actually the improvements are going faster and faster over time. So what this means is that if we assume constant changes in the future, we might underpredict the gain that we might have in terms of life expectancy. Mm-hmm. So in this new model, we simply account for this faster decline in the risk of dying over time uh, in Denmark. So this leads into faster progress in life expectancy or higher gain in life expectancy. And as the pension age is determined based on the increase in life expectancy, this means actually you might underpredict. Right. So there's a need for a new kind of way to look at this. Yes, I think, or at least to account for certain uncertainty in your forecast. All this decision is based on one model or one uh, number. However, there's always some uncertainty, no matter the model you use. And it's important to be able to plan within this uncertainty as well. So here what we show is like, okay, what happened if actually life expectancy increased faster than anticipated? 
can we still um, can the pension system still be sustainable? Right. Um, and we just tested these two scenarios. Okay. And, uh, and and when you uh, apply this this new model, what do you find then? What does that show? So that showed that, for example, for female by 2040, uh, life expectancy may be 1.5 years higher than, than with the than the with the, the current model, and for males would be about one year higher. So on, that would mean that on average, people reaching age 65 would live one year more or one and a half year more than what was initially planned. So it might not seem a lot one year, but if there's like thousands or millions of people in that age group that live on average one year more, can we pay for their pension? So here at the very end, and to the both of you, are you surprised by the findings of your study, Marie-Pierre? Um, yes and no. Uh, I'm not surprised to, fi- to find inequalities in Denmark, even if it's a very strong welfare state. Uh, I think finding some level of inequalities, it's uh, pretty standard in very different countries. However, however, what can be surprising is the extent of the inequalities. So they and might, how much they, they how, actually matter. Exactly. So they, they were larger probably than what was expected at the beginning. Cosmo? And this is exactly the reason why I was surprised by the results. So not because we observe inequalities, but rather for how large are those inequalities that we observe in in survival to retirement in Denmark. How might the findings of the research impact public perception, understanding and acceptance of retirement age policies and the overall sustainability of the welfare state Cosmo? The fact that we live uh, longer than in the past and that this trend uh, does not seem to be slowing down it makes it necessary to account for survival improvements when uh, making pension reforms. So retirement age should indeed account for uh, how long we live. Marie-Pierre? Well, yeah, I agree with Cosmo that uh, it's important to increase the age of retirement to make uh, the pension system, system sustainable. However, we have also to account for the fact that not everybody can reach this age in good health. So we haven't accounted in our study for the health status in which people reach retirement. So in some cases, it might be necessary to retire earlier due to health condition. And this is where the flexibility of the Danish pension system is very important. And and what can we do to make the system even better to to sort of reach this flexibility or try to look at this in, in different ways? So that's also a very hard question, uh, but there's different way that flexibility can be integrated in the pension system. Of course, can be flexibility in the age at which you can retire. No matter your income group can be based on your health status. And also flexibility in, uh, in working condition would be important. Maybe as you age, having more flexible working condition, more flexible hours, less hours, or even having um, tasks that are more manageable. So you have a very physically demanding job. Maybe past a certain age, you can be more in a supervising role or more desk job. Or So it might be maybe the uh, labor market also have to become more flexible to adapt for uh, more elderly people coming in the lab- uh, staying in the labor market. Based on all these findings, which results are the most important for us as a society to take into consideration and why, Cosmo? So to answer to that, I will get back to the inequalities in survival to retirement. In particular, I will focus on people with low income. So as a society, we should worry about having a a group of individuals, as those with low income in this case, in our population that have lower chances to reach retirement age and that this phenomenon has not been uh, changing over time. 
So it's, it remained unchanged, actually, over the last 20 years. Uh, however, it is not through pension policies that we can address such inequality no. issue. It is actually social and health policies that are the right tool to address such issue. Maripe? Um, yeah, I agree with Cosmo. And I think maybe one thing to add is that there's also a lot of inequalities that remain within the different income group. So if you look at the low income group, there's some individual that will live very long and other that will live, uh, that will have very short lives. And the same thing for the very high income group. So you have to be also careful when you uh, try to implement a new policy to maybe not try to give a different age of retirement only based on income group, because then you might create a different kind of inequality. Um, so I think the question is also very complex on how can we address this inequality in terms of pension age. And uh, I would not say I have a clear answer, but I would say that flexibility could be a key point to look into. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Marie-Pierre Bacheron-Bouget and Cosmos Rotza, who are both researchers from University of Southern Denmark. You can read much more about the Rockwell Foundation's research on life expectancy and pension on the Foundation's website. In the Rockwell Foundation podcast, I talk to researchers and decision makers about new research and analysis related to welfare. Find them wherever you find your podcasts. My name is Thomas Medjorgensen. Thank you very much for listening.